Grab a Bible, grab your seat. In church, as we do each week, I'll say, bless the Lord, if you will say, oh my soul. Ready? Bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Now you say, why do we say that each week? Here's why. Sometimes it is important for us to verbalize with our mouths what our hearts are attempting to do. And we are here to bless the Lord for he is worthy of all our praise. Amen? And so we're just going to do that this morning. Now we're in the middle of a series through the book of Colossians. We've been using this daily journal as a resource both for our group study as well as our personal study and the notes we take on Sundays. Uh, go ahead and raise your hand uh, if you have this. Go ahead and just hold it up if you've got it with you. Just, just let me see them, okay? Now, if for some reason you didn't bring yours or, or you forgot it or something, we have a few extras. Go ahead and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand now if you need a copy. Go ahead and put it up and just hold it up. Some of the guys in the back, they're going to move quickly. I see one over here and there's uh, one over here as well. So they'll give you a booklet as we get into this. Now, by the way, if you're a guest, my name is Josh. I'm the teaching minister here at Clear Creek. And it is our mission as a church to help introduce our city to God and to one another. Because we believe that life is lived and experienced fully only when it's lived and known in Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the whole point of this little book from the man named Paul. A Christ follower who wrote to a group of Christians in the city of Colossae. And so they're called Colossians. So the letter is the letter to the Colossian church. And here's his main point. In fact, we have it up on screen every week. Because we just want you to know, if you don't remember anything else from this series, here is the one main point. It's all about Jesus. That's it. Everything that you are, everything you have, everything you will be is all about Jesus. In fact... The text we're looking at today digs into this one idea in some ways maybe better than any other part of the letter to the Colossians. And so we're going to look at a passage now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. It's a lengthy passage, but I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Go ahead and let's stand. I'm going to read this, and uh, I invite you to... Look at it in your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, you may look at it on our big electronic Bible that we have here on the screen. Are you ready? Just listen to these words as I read them aloud. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the earthly things, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Everybody just say, glory. Glory. Sounds southern, doesn't it? (laughs) Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You also used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, but now, but now, you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. 
Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have now put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, remember whenever you see a therefore, you've got to ask, what's it there for? Therefore, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now pay attention to this, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, that we would take off the old man and woman and put on the new. That we would simply live into who we now are in Christ. Give us fresh eyes to see and ears to hear that we may be more like our brother and our Savior, Jesus. But we do thank you that your love for us is not contingent upon our behavior Because you loved us while we were yet sinners. And so today we come thanking you and finding ways to live more like you. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So before we get going forward, we kind of have to take a moment to look back to where we came from. Paul, for the first half of this little letter, wants you to know a couple of very important things. And so let's do a quick recap. Chapter 1. Paul wants you to know one thing. Here it is. He wants you to know who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. And so in verse 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 of chapter 1, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. He is the firstborn over all creation, meaning he sits atop atop all creation. He is the one who created all things, the things we can see and the things we can't see. Everything was made by him and for him. You say, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to be made and live for Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. So he says, I want you to know who Jesus is. And then in chapter 2, he then says, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Jesus has died for us. He has paid for our sin. He has risen. He is now living and seated at the right hand of God. Meaning, he's in the position of not only power, but of prestige. He is in the right hand, the seat of honor. All of creation is under him. He has paid the debt. He has saved you from your sins. He is now ruling and reigning. And all he's doing is waiting for the rest of creation to get the hint that he won. Isn't that good news? And so that is chapter one. Who is Jesus? And chapter two, what Jesus has done. Now, Paul goes into chapter three to say, I want you to know who you are. And I want you to know what you do. 
and I want you to know how it's done. Those are the three parts of this morning's message. Say three parts. Yep, I'm a good old CFC preacher. Three points. You ready? Who you are, how you live, how you do it. Who you are, how you live, how you do it. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And so he starts in those first four verses of chapter three. Did you notice? This is all about who you are. And he begins with your past, then your present, then your future. Look at these three verses. Go ahead and put them all three up for us. He noticed, he says, you have been, past tense. You have been raised with Christ. Your past is in Christ. And then present tense, your life is now hidden in Christ. You have been in your past and your present is now hidden with Christ. And then you will be in your future. You will appear with him in your future. Jesus Christ is your past, your present, your future. He is all around you like a kid going to the pool in the summer who does the dive right in. All of the child, all of the kid is covered in the water. You and I, if you are in Christ, you are past, present, future, a different person. Now, one thing Paul says here that I think we need to just pause and make note of is this. The very first line of verse 1, I don't have it on screen, but if you look in your testaments, notice what it says, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now, notice he is now saying this is for those who have given their lives to Christ, who have died to their old self. Paul is going to say something that's very controversial, but we've got to agree and hold to it as a Christ body. Here it is. There are only two types of people in this world. There are those who have been saved, who have died to themselves, who have been raised with Christ and now have a new identity. And then there's everyone else who is still dead in their sins. You say, yes, but aren't there good people out there? Aren't there moral people? What about them? Understand me, what this text is going to say is your morality, your ability and my ability to do good things and not do bad things is not what saves you or me. Isn't that good news? Because I know what a no good rotten scoundrel I am on my best days. And this tells us that it's not because of what you've done, but because of what he did, that we can be made new. So I just want to speak very plainly. There are some of you in here this morning who are still dead in your sins and you are not alive in Christ. And no amount of doing better will change that. The only thing that changes that is when you or I recognize that without Christ, we can't do it. That we are sinners in need of a Savior. We don't need a makeover. Listen, I've been to many a funerals. They put the person in the coffin. They put makeup on. They give the person a makeover. But the person is still dead. You and I do not need a makeover. We need a resurrection. And that is only done by the gracious power of God through Jesus Christ. And so he's going to say, now for those of you who are in Christ, and if you're not in Christ, you can be this morning. In fact, uh, just spoiler alert, we've got a couple baptisms at the end of today's message. And it's going to be great, okay? So just hang on. We're going to see new life this morning. It's going to be good. And I hope there will be more. But he's going to say, if you're in Christ, this is what it looks like. Your past has been changed. Your present is being changed. And your future is going to be changed. Now, how many of you, just real quick show of hands, how many of you are on Facebook? Can I see some hands in the crowd? How many of you heard that really disturbing news about a week ago that Facebook was hacked? 
You're like, wait a minute, what? You're like, hold on. (laughs) Okay, no. Facebook was hacked about a week ago. Biggest hack in the history of Facebook. An estimated 90 million people. You say, well, how do I know? Here's what they did. They got in, they hacked. They get the names, they get some information about people. And they began to create secondary mirror accounts of your account or my account or someone else's account. And then they send the little friend request to all your friends who you're already friends with to say, oh, hey, would you be my friend? In fact, I've received a number of little notices from friends saying, do not accept any further invitations to be my friend. I'm already your friend. Don't accept any more invitations. You say, well, how do I know if the person asking to be my friend is really the person or an imposter who's trying to steal my identity? Simply, look at your friend's timeline. Look at what they have said, where they've been, talking about themselves, what they have seen, what they've experienced. When you want to know who someone really is, look at their timeline. And Paul says, your timeline is past, present, future. It's all about Jesus. This is you now. And you want to know who you are. You look at this and you will see the fingerprints of God all over you. This is who you are. This is why in verse 11, he then says that famous statement. Here there is no Greek or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. He's saying the thing that once defined us as individuals, our race, our ethnicity, our income, our education, where we live, where we work, the kind of car we drive, those things now have no value in defining who you are because your past, present, and future is wrapped up in Jesus. Does this make sense, church? So he says, this is who we are. So now he's going to say, let me show you what you do. Because when you know who you are, you know what you do. If you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. So he says, let me show you what to do. This is verse 5 all the way down through 15. And he's going to give some very practical examples here. In fact, the picture he uses is in verse 9 and 10. He's going to say, take off that old self. Sort of like... um, How many of you remember either being a kid or having kids who found that wonderful mud puddle? My kids are like these little human magnets when it comes to mud and clean clothes. Can I get an amen? You come out there, you think, oh, they look so cute, they look so nice, and there's been a rain. My family, we went this Friday to a farm, uh, I forget what it's called, something, something, something farm, my wife just said. And so it's just some farm. We went to this farm. It had rained. It was muddy everywhere. And try as we might, Lindsay and I would try to walk the path of least mud. You know this path? And what, okay, what do young kids do then if they see mud? What do they do? I mean, they just go right through it, don't they? The more mud, the better. Paul is saying, you have been changed Take off the dirty clothes because they don't represent you anymore. And he's going to give a list of things to take off and then to put on. So he he talks about take off sexual immorality. By the way, that Greek word for sexual immorality there is the word porneia. That's where we get our word for pornography. It is a junk, junk drawer term that refers to any sexual conduct outside of a, get this now, heterosexual, monogamous, 
marriage between a man and a woman. So anything that you may do with your eyes or your body or your mind that is outside of a relationship with a man and a woman in lifelong committed marriage is considered sin. I know you've got a lot of questions. If you want to talk about that, we can chat. Email me. Come visit me. We'll talk about it. But he says we take off that because that's not who you are anymore. He says things like, and don't be greedy. Don't allow stuff to define you. If I just had more, then I would be enough. That if I just had this, then I'd be that. If I just had, then I'd... And he goes through all these things and he says, don't lie to each other. Because your words reflect who you are. Don't use filthy language. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want an indicator of where your heart really is, listen to the words coming from your mouth. Don't become angry or rageful or malicious. Don't be consumed by evil desires. And by the way, that doesn't mean just don't do bad things. The phrase or the word evil desires in that passage, it's the Greek word epithumia. Everyone say epithumia. Ready? Epithumia. Here's what it means. It means any desire, even a good desire that's just overgrown. So gluttony is sin because the desire for food has become too great. It's overgrown. Lust is a sin because it's a good desire for sexual connection with another person that has become overgrown. Greed is an epithumi. It's an overgrown desire. You want something, but the desire has become overgrown. It is now the controlling agent in your life. And so he's saying, you take off those things. That's not who you are. Instead, put some things on. Put some new clothes on. In fact, everyone of this, this morning, we're wearing clothes. And aren't we glad we're all wearing clothes this morning? But we're wearing... Yeah, I heard an amen down here. Amen. (laughs) We're wearing clothes and, and we look good. We're clean because this is who you are. You are a cleaned up child of God. So he says, hey, take off the rags. Put on patience and kindness and gentleness. If you want a full list, go to Galatians chapter 5 when Paul gives the list of the fruit of the Spirit. This is who God is in you. And be patient, be forgiving, be loving, and be thankful. In fact, he goes through all this. And here's, I think, the danger when we get to the to-dos and not-to-dos list. Is for most of us, if you grew up in the church, you go, All right. So the point of the message is simply this. Try harder, right? This is the point in the message where the preacher, if I were a good old country preacher, I'd pull out my hanky. I'd dab my sweat off. And then I'd begin to hold you over the fires of hell like a marshmallow and talk about how you're just not doing it well enough. Any of you remember some of those sermons? It's all about what you do. I need to tell you something and put this up on screen. This is so important, this phrase. You and I are not saved because we live a certain way. We live a certain way because we are saved. Jesus saves you and then gives you the freedom to live a certain way. He does not say, fix yourself, clean yourself up, get yourself all tidy, and then maybe I'll take you in as my child. Listen, the reason my wife and I will hose our kids off, clean them up, put fresh clothes on them, is because they are already our children. They don't clean themselves up so that we choose to have them as our kids. Do you see the difference here? If you are in Christ, you are a child of God. He loves you. And although our sin grieves him, he takes you in, he cleans you off, and he says, you come on inside. You are mine. We clothe ourselves in Christ because we are already in the 
family. Is that good news to anyone this morning? Now, here's the thing. Let me give you a real quick example of how this works, okay? Uh, how many of you remember the old children's toy, the sea and say? Go ahead and put this up on screen. Let me show you a picture. How many of you recognize this thing? Anyone getting flashbacks to childhood right now? Now, if I had a real one, all I would do is I would like pull the crank and it'd say, this is a cow, right? Okay, I thought that was a pretty good cow right there, okay? So in fact, some of you are going, how does this work? Well, let's just do a little game together. Go ahead and put this first slide up. The duck says what, church? And the survey says... Oh, okay, there we go. <clears throat> okay, let's do another one here. The cow says what? Moo. Okay, what about this last one? The dog says... Bark, bark. Now, here's the thing. The dog does not bark to become a dog. The dog barks because it's a dog. The cow does not moo to become a cow. The cow moves because it is already a cow. The Christ follower takes off certain things and puts on other things not to be saved, but because we have been saved. And now you're just free to live out who God has made you to be. Now, here's the problem. This is who you are. This is what you do. But this is the challenge. How do we do it? Like, what's in the secret sauce of becoming this kind of person? See, I think most of us would agree, yes, sexual immorality, bad. Lying, bad. Greed, bad. Don't do that. Yes, love, good. Patience, good. God, hurry up and give me patience. Good, good, right? Most of us would agree that this is true, but if I were to ask you, if we were to sit down and have a cup of coffee together and just talk about life, and I were to say, how are you doing? If you were like me, and this is where I just want to be real frank with you, it's easy to say this is how Josh Diggs should live, but there are days where Josh just doesn't. So how's it done? Let me show you real quickly and we'll end with this. Go back with me to verses 1 and 2. Remember who you are. Notice what he says. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Have you ever heard someone use the phrase, oh, I I really had my heart set on that thing. What are they saying? Oh, that's just what I really want. That's what I've been thinking about. That's what I've been dreaming about. I can remember so many times growing up having that thing, that experience, that moment, just so ready, so excited. I remember when my mom and dad took us to the earthly version of heaven. We call it Disney World, where the king of that place is not God, but it's a mouse. By the way, that's a really shabby, you know, exchange rate, right? But we go, we're, we're so excited. I remember mom and dad, they, they told us we're going to go to Disney World. And so they bought us clothing for Disney World. I remember my Mickey Mouse shirt. It wasn't simply embossed. It actually was like a piece of plastic. I sweated in the shape of a mouse head right there. But it had eyes that would like bobble up and down when you'd run. So I, so I can still remember eight-year-old, nine-year-old Josh standing in front of the full-length mirror there in one of the hotel rooms on the Disney property Striking the poses. Going, oh yeah, I got the mouse, I'm ready. 
I had my heart set on what we were going to do. And I was thinking about it. I was excited about it. Have you ever seen someone who's just so excited about what they're going to experience? It's all that they can think or talk about. But notice Paul doesn't just say think about it or just feel it. Listen, he says it's got to be both heart and head. There are some things that you cannot get yourself to simply mentally through intellectual reason. There are some things that the emotions are going to have to be a part of what you're doing. So what are those things that draw up your heart and your excitement and stir your affection for God and stir up your soul for what is to come? I know for one of my friends named Jonathan, he he loves the out-of-doors. And for him, if he ever wants to be stirred up emotionally for God and the things to come, he gets away for a day or a two and he will go off to the mountains. He will hike. His wife's the same way, so they go together, which is a great marriage. They just go together. They drag their kids along. One of their kids loves it. The other one doesn't, but they say, suck it up, you're part of the family. And they go and they hike. And they say, we're going to be with God, even if you don't want to. And so they just have a great time together. He does that to stir up his heart for what is to come. He says, God made all this. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Listen to me, family. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? And I I don't understand how it all will work. But we understand that we're going to be given new bodies, heavenly bodies. Mine is going to be six foot four. I'm going to have great abs. I'm going to be golden brown. It's going to be awesome. I'm already getting my order in. But we're going to get to heaven. You're going to have a new body. Do you know why you need a new body? It's because you're not going to be floating around like a spirit for all eternity, playing a harp on a cloud next to Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. That ain't heaven. Heaven will be a real place for real people with real bodies. Now imagine this. Can you imagine what that world will be like that has never been touched by sin? What colors will you see for the first time that you've never seen with eyes that have never been touched by wickedness? How many of you out there like to eat? Can I just see some hands who enjoy the spiritual discipline of eating? You know, there are those moments where you'll try something. It's a new flavor. It's it's maybe, okay, first time when my wife and I, when we moved to Texas, I worked out there before coming back to Nashville and now to Chattanooga. It was the first time I'd ever had this thing called brisket. Have you heard of brisket? Oh, praise be. Here's all it is. It's heaven that came from a cow. It's fantastic. It's great. There are tastes that I've never had before. Imagine what it'll be like with a mouth and taste buds that have not been corrupted by the taint of sin and the brokenness of this world. How many of you can still remember certain smells from growing up? Maybe the smell of your mother's perfume or your grandmother's hand lotion. And it just takes you back and you go, oh, that's, that's home. Imagine this moment where you're going to enter into a place where the sense of smell is more powerful and it will draw your memory to things and it will bring you up to worship and you'll be reunited with those loved ones. This is what is to come, family. Can you stir your heart for that? And when you think about what is to come, all of a sudden, the things of earth, what's, what's that phrase? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You stir your heart up. 
But there are some things that even your heart can't bring you to that you need your mind. Think on those things. Open his word. When your heart begins to lead you astray, go back and say, no, he is good, he is true, he is right. I know him. I know my salvation is true. I know there was a moment in time when I met my Savior and I was washed clean. I know it. I don't just feel it. When you want to be, when you want to become, when you want to do who he has called you to be, to do, think, set your mind, set your heart on things above. Because this is who you are. You're like that character in all those great stories who starts off in a mundane place but is swept up to a great adventure in a faraway land. Whether it's a hobbit going on a great adventure or a farmer in a galaxy far, far away who becomes the great Jedi warrior or whether it's a princess or whatever it is, you know that moment where that peasant, that nobody is swept up in this great adventure and they go into this new place, this new time, something that no one else has seen and they see things they could never describe. So when they come back home, the things that once scared them don't scare them. They go, if you'd seen what I saw, you wouldn't be afraid of this anymore. They experience things that once just captivated and they said, that's a bobble, that's a trinket. If you'd seen what I saw, this would not hold on to your imagination. Family, we have seen God if we have been in Christ. You have been to that far country and you're now back here. And in the moments where it gets challenging and tough, you simply set your heart back on where you're going, your mind back on where you're going. This is who you are. This is how you live. And this is how it's done.